Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John, and this is the 105th program in this series. In this program, I'm in John chapter 17, and I'm making my way into verse 4. In verse 3, Jesus said, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And I spent a lot of time in the previous few programs explaining what this means, the idea that eternal life is knowing God, or it's about knowing God. It is about knowing the person, knowing him as a person, and that involves having a personal relationship with him, that from his point of view, this is what eternal life is about. From the point of view of most of the people who have been functioning in this world, from their point of view, eternal life is about not going to hell. It's about maybe getting some of God's stuff, having a personal sanctuary in his kingdom just for themselves. They don't normally think about the idea of being with the Lord, of being with God, of knowing him. That's not usually what people are thinking about. So I spent a lot of time explaining that in the previous programs. And I also explained that God is looking for a certain kind of person to be a part of his life. And I explained some of the transitions that people need to go through in order to become the kind of person who God wants to have in his life. And this is contrary to what a lot of other people believe. The overwhelming majority of people take the position that people are just the way they are. They don't think of people or themselves, in the context of who we are going to become, who we are going to grow into. Instead, people want to take a position based on their existence, that because I exist, of course God is going to want me to be in his life, of course he is going to want me to be in his kingdom forever, because I exist. And I don't see that that's going to be the case. God is interested in a certain kind of person, and we don't start out being this kind of person. This is the kind of person who we may become over a period of time and over a series of transitions. I explain this by starting with the idea of a person being irresponsible, that there is an irresponsible kind of person, and that there are struggles and there are obstacles and there are problems of life that everyone needs to learn how to solve for themselves, and that these are decisions that people make. People must make the decision to be a responsible person and to be responsible for solving the problems of life for themselves, of learning how to solve the problems of life and embracing the struggle of doing the things that a person needs to do in order to be what we would describe as a responsible person. But most people, it turns out, most people make a decision to not 
be a responsible person and to not solve the problems of life. To them, this is a solution because through their failure to do so, someone else will do it for them. And there are all kinds of different dysfunctional relationships that exist because of this point of view. But this is not the kind of person who God wants to have in his life. Now, this is not just about condemnation for the irresponsible. It's not about that. The irresponsible kind of person would not want to have the kind of relationship that God is interested in. So it really is a mutual decision not to have a relationship with each other. These are the kinds of people who refuse to embrace the gospel. They refuse to enter into a personal relationship with the living God. All you need to do is ask them. Just identify a person that I've described in the sense of being an irresponsible kind of person and ask them about their interest in God as a person. Ask them about their interest in knowing him as a person and not as a person that they can manipulate. These are the kinds of people that want to know others only to the extent of how they are going to be able to deceive and manipulate them or how they are going to make use of them for their own personal advantage, you know, in the sense of their utility. But to know them as a person and to participate in life with them, that's just not on their minds. That's not what they want. So it's not just a matter of God not wanting that kind of a person. It's also an issue that that kind of a person does not want God. That kind of a person does not want to know God in the way that he wants to be known and does not want to have this kind of relationship that he is genuinely offering to people. The irresponsible have their own obstacles to deal with. When a person makes it past this level of maturity, when a person makes it past this and embraces responsibility for their own lives, then they will have their own obstacles to overcome. This is the kind of person who will have a tendency to want to know what are they going to get out of God in the sense of compensation for what this person does. This is a different kind of struggle, a new kind of struggle that a person will enter into if they make it this far. And that has to do with compensation for works. Because the kind of relationship that a person usually starts with is they usually start with a works-based relationship with God. They look at the Old Covenant or they look at the words that Jesus presented, which, of course, were all about obeying the law. Jesus taught the covenant that was in effect. The Old Covenant was in effect until after he died. And so he taught the law. He taught a works-based relationship And people will embrace either Moses directly or they will embrace Moses indirectly through studying what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, for example, and through his parables. And they will embrace the religious life of engaging in sacraments, ceremonies, sacrificial types of systems. They will engage in good works. They will do things in order to obtain blessings from God. And if he fails to deliver those blessings before they physically die, then they expect to receive rewards as compensation for their efforts. 
So the kind of relationship that the responsible person will have a tendency to pursue with God is one in which they will do things for God, but they expect to be compensated for that. They expect to be rewarded. They expect to be paid. This becomes the new struggle that a person has to go through in order to make the transition into the kind of relationship that God is willing to have with a person. Now, of course, both the irresponsible can be welcomed by God to a certain extent, and the responsible can be welcomed by God to a certain extent. He does, in order to at least get people started, in order to get people moving. And will he save them? I don't have the answer for that kind of a question. I can answer that question by the definition of the gospel, but I cannot answer that question in terms of the specific decision that God will make for each person individually. He does reserve that right for himself. What I can do is talk about these obstacles that people are usually faced with when it comes to reaching the point of even knowing their God at all. And if this is eternal life, knowing your God... I think this is important and that these are important things to keep in mind, to understand, and to ask the Lord about. Ask him to give you personal divine discernment concerning yourself, between you and him. Where are the two of you at in terms of the relationship that you're growing in? To what degree are you really getting to know one another? Now, once the responsible person makes it past the idea that the relationship with God is not about being compensated for your works, once you make it that far, well then there is a new kind of participation that you can engage in with your God, which is what I believe he genuinely wants. A relationship based on mutual participation in each other's lives, whereas he is a part of your life, you are a part of his life, but without these expectations of compensation for being a part of each other's lives. You're a part of each other's lives because you want to be, because you want to be together, because you know each other well enough that you genuinely enjoy being in the presence of one another. And these are decisions that people make. This is about making a decision. Each person must make a decision concerning what they are going to value, what they want, how they are going to see their God, and how they are going to relate to him and the world that they are a part of. It all comes down to these individual decisions of individuals. And in the end, there of course are going to be very few people who will make it this far. In the end, the percentage of people who live in this world who will be a part of the kingdom of heaven, is going to be small. This percentage is going to be very small. The overwhelming majority of the people who have existed in this world are not going to be in the kingdom of heaven. We know this by what Jesus has had to say about this subject. Now, I won't be exploring these things in detail in these programs because that's not what this program is about and not what this study is about. I'm going to proceed into verse 4, but this is a good summary that will give you something to think about and some suggestions with regards to other things you may want to pursue. But in this program, I'm going to move forward into verse 4, John chapter 17, verse 4, where Jesus continued and he said, I 
have glorified you on the earth, which means that Jesus made God known. That's what he did. This is what he was doing. He was making his God known to other people. He knew him and he told other people about what he knew about his God. That's what he did. Now, in the historical record from what we have available in the Gospels, it appears that the majority of the life that Jesus lived was a relatively quiet life. The majority of the years that he spent on this earth were spent as a regular guy, were spent as a man. He was, of course, living honorably, and he was living without sin, but the people saw him like they would see just about anybody else. We can figure this out easily by studying the Gospels, by studying the way the people interacted with him. It was after the baptism with John, when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, it was after that, that Jesus began his ministry in a public way. And that was when he really put a lot of time and a lot of effort into making God known. But this was only for a few years of his life. And I want you to notice this, that it wasn't the majority of his life that he spent making God known to people. It was only a few years. And this was acceptable to God. And it was acceptable to Jesus. It was acceptable. It was good. And, you know, I think this is important to recognize because sometimes we as Christians may feel an unusual amount of pressure or stress over how much are we making our God known. You know, at the time of this recording, I've spent over 30 years talking about the Lord Jesus with people, making him known, spending a significant amount of effort and time out of my life to tell people about the God who I know, especially over the previous 15 years, the last 15 years. I've done just about nothing else but tell people about the Lord Jesus. Now, that's a long time. That's about five times as much time as Jesus himself spent on this earth. Should I feel a little awkward about not putting enough time into telling people about the living God in comparison? Of course not. But this is a burden that we will tend to put on ourselves that is definitely not coming from our God. Whatever we do, I am confident he is thankful for. But I want you to see that Jesus, Jesus himself, only spent a few years out of his life conducting his ministry. And then he was done. And how did he describe this? Look at verse 4 again. John chapter 17, verse 4. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. That's what Jesus said. You know, I only worked for a few years, but I have finished the work that you have given me to do, which, of course, includes making him known. Jesus made the living God known what he knew about his God that other people could understand. He expressed, he did the work, and he completed the work that God gave him to do with just a few years out of his life. I think this is important to pay attention to. 
I think it's really important to notice. Now, of course, Jesus did a lot during those three years. And if we were to compile a list of all the things that Jesus did that would probably fit in the category of completing the work that God gave him to do, that would be a long list. I am definitely not going to even try to compile a list like that. That would be long. And even if I did that, I am confident it still would not be a complete list. So I'm just going to point out a few things that I think are important about God completing the work that God gave him to do. The first thing that I would really like to say about Jesus completing the work that was given to him, the first thing I would like to say is that Jesus was himself. That's what he was. He was who he was. And I think that this is very important to see. Now, of course, Jesus was God manifested in the flesh, and so we shouldn't expect anything else. And we should be thankful for whatever he expressed. But he was true to himself. He was true, he was real, and he was genuine about who he was and how he related to other people. And I think this is a big part of him completing the work that was given to him. Just be yourself. Be who you are. Now, in our case, we have the expectation that we're going to become a different person over time. That who we are right now is not who we are going to be later. But we should still be true to ourselves. We should still be ourselves. And we should not try to pretend to be who we would like to be or who we would hope to be or who we might be in the future. We should still be true, especially when it comes to our inadequacies. You know, if we are not a good person, if we do something wrong, if we commit evil, then if the situation is appropriate for us to express that, yes, this is a failure on our part, then we should feel free to do so. We should acknowledge and recognize our inadequacies and also embrace the fact that we are wanting to work on being different in the future instead of what other people will do, which is to just simply try to deceive others, hide the fact of the sins that we commit against others, and have no intention whatsoever in making any adjustments in our lives in any way. And if anybody else has a problem with that, well, then we just find some distorted and twisted way to say that they are the ones who have psychological problems. And that's part of the solution model of the irresponsible kind of person. But Jesus was himself. And in being himself, he also revealed his God as being a part of himself. He proclaimed the truth. That was something that God definitely gave him to do, and he did it. He proclaimed the truth. He proclaimed his God. He made his God known. All of this can be summarized by saying that he glorified God. He did that with the people who he had relationships with, He did this with the people who he had access to. Of course, most of the people were not interested in what he had to say or in what he had to reveal. Many people were quite offended by what he did regarding these things. But he was true to who he was and to what God gave him to do. And, of course, he revealed what he could to the extent that people could understand. And everybody understood enough to decide 
if they wanted to pursue belief in Jesus or not. Everyone was exposed to enough to make a decision for themselves. They certainly could not understand much more than that. They certainly could not understand all the things that Jesus was expressing. He explained that to them. He said, there are many things that I would like to tell you that you will not be able to understand until after the Spirit of God dwells within you. He told them many things. They did not understand. He said, don't worry, you will understand later. God will bring to your remembrance the things that I had to say. And so there was a lot to what Jesus had to say to people. People had to make a decision concerning what they were going to believe and what they weren't. There were a lot of things that they just could not understand. And as far as God was concerned, that was okay for them to be confronted with these things as they would be reminded of them later on anyway. And then they could make a decision. Jesus definitely taught the Old Covenant, but he taught the Old Covenant in a different way than how it was presented by Moses. The way that he did it was he spoke about the law in the context of a person's heart, not just the behavior of their flesh, but also the condition of their hearts. If you so much as think of committing murder, then it's just as bad as doing it. He made the law a little bit more difficult for people to embrace and to follow because he addressed not just the issues of the behavior of the flesh, but also the issues of the condition of our hearts and of our souls. He also included the subject of eternal life. This was never presented by God through Moses with regards to the Mosaic law. There is nothing in the Mosaic law that speaks about obey the law and you will have a place in the kingdom of heaven. But this is what Jesus did. He said, obey the law and you will have a place in the kingdom of heaven. And if you fail, you won't. This was something that Jesus added to the work that God already did through the old covenant. So Jesus did teach the law and he added to it that if you fail to obey the law you will not have a place in the kingdom of heaven, which emphasized the point that no one could have ever made it into the kingdom of heaven through obedience to God prior anyway. That if anyone was going to have a place with God in the kingdom of heaven, it's going to have to be according to different criteria. As an example, with Abraham, Abraham genuinely believed God. And God looked at that and he said, because you believe me, I will declare that you are right with me. He called that righteousness. Righteousness by faith, not by works. And so we have enough to go on to be able to say that God will allow some people to have a place with him, some people who lived throughout history. But those decisions have always been decisions that were made outside of a person's repentance and obedience. They would have to be. There were other things that Jesus did to complete the work that God gave him to do. To fulfill prophecy, for example. Jesus fulfilled prophecy concerning himself as the Messiah that were recorded in the scriptures hundreds and hundreds of years before he came. That was a work that needed to be done to fulfill prophecy. And you can see this all over the Gospels. 
all over Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where it says, as the scriptures said, as the scriptures foretold, to fulfill that which was said in the scriptures. It's everywhere. And so this, of course, was an important part of the work that God gave Jesus to do. In addition to this, Jesus solved the problems that began with the fall of humanity in the Garden of Eden. There were specific questions that needed to be resolved. Is God trustworthy? Can he be believed? Jesus fulfilled the task of demonstrating that God can be trusted, that he can be believed. Are we to live according to the knowledge of good and evil or not? Jesus demonstrated that it is not possible. With us, it is impossible to live that way. We were not designed by our God to function in that way. This is something that Jesus accomplished. And, of course, he laid the foundation for the forgiveness of sins so God could restore his Holy Spirit to humanity so that we may be made spiritually alive and become children of God. And I will continue with this more in the next program. Thank you for listening. This is the 105th program in the verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John. In this program, I was in John chapter 17, verse 4, where Jesus said that he had completed the works, or he finished the works, that God gave him to do. And in this program, I spoke a little bit about the fact that out of all the years that Jesus lived, it was only a few of those years that Jesus conducted his ministry. He was himself. He was a person who lived in a genuine way. He proclaimed the truth that God had revealed to him. He proclaimed his God so that others might know who he is. He fulfilled the prophecies that were related to the Messiah. And he also solved the problems that began because of the fall of humanity in the Garden of Eden. The problems related to, is God believable? Can he be trusted? Are we to live according to the knowledge of good and evil? Or is there another way that God wants us to live? And he also established the foundation through forgiveness so that we could be made spiritually alive and the Holy Spirit that was lost in Adam and Eve could be given to us so that we could be made into children of God. And I will continue with this in the next program. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net